0: We are back to the book of Colossians this morning. Uh, This is the second message in our series, Confidence in Christ. And so let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians 1, first chapter. uh, It'll be the uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 23. And while you are uh, finding that, I will remind you what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that Paul was writing this letter to the church in Colossae from Rome while he was under house arrest. Uh, there in Rome, and his opening words that we heard uh, two Sundays ago were words of encouragement and saying how he prays for the church and, and so on, and now he is beginning to write to them about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and he was, of course, writing these things to refute some of the problems in that church with religious relativism. And uh, so, some of the believers, you know, had been mixing elements of uh, paganism and secular philosophy with Christian doctrine. And so, Paul wrote this letter, and he's reminding them here that that Christ is over all, Christ is in all, and Christ is enough. And so, uh, Jesus is sufficient and we can place our confidence in Him. So beginning with verse 15 and reading through 23 of the first chapter, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you, that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. I feel in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. It's um, common these days to hear the phrase, come to the table. Or um, maybe you would hear, there's room for the table. A room at the table for everyone. Which is true when we are talking about the open arms of God for people who come to Him seeking grace and forgiveness and salvation. No one will be turned away. That's the intent of that message. If they are truly seeking the Lord and the salvation that He offers to all people. But people and secular philosophies are two different things, and you see in the church at Colossae during this time, the believers were they were opening up that table to all kinds of false teachings and blending, you know, just taking them and blending them all together into this, this new age type of religion. Yes, they were giving Jesus a seat at the table. But they were also opening up the table to all kinds of other forms of paganism and and other things as well. And so that's what Paul is addressing in these, these verses that we're looking at this morning. He affirms, first of all, the personhood of Jesus Christ. He proclaims what he has done. And he reminds them of what Jesus continues to do. So in essence, he is is proclaiming the preeminence of Jesus, meaning that Christ is above all other things. Back in uh, 1893, the World Fair... Go back one. There we go. Back in 1893, the World Fair visited Chicago. And there were exhibits from 46 different countries... And the fair stretched out across the city of Chicago. Millions of people came to that fair. Some of you have probably heard about that being the first fair in 1893 where the Ferris Wheel was first introduced. Um, But another exhibition that they had there that year was was something called The World's Parliament of Religions in which many representatives from many of the world's religions gathered to, they came together to share their best points, and they were thinking that maybe they could, you know, share their best points and create a new religion for the world. Well, that sounds a lot like what was going on in Colossae uh, when Paul wrote this letter. Well, when that Chicago Fair was um, taking place, the evangelist D.L. Moody had already started his ministry in the city of Chicago. And his friends came to him and they wanted him to attack uh, this meeting that was going to take place of the World Parliament of Religions. But Moody decided that it would be a lot better to go on the offensive than to be defensive. So instead of attacking them, he sent people out into the streets. He rented buildings and theaters around the city to share the good news of Jesus. He even got the big circus tent set up and where they were going to share the good news. Moody said this. He said, I'm going to make Jesus Christ so attractive that people will turn to him. Many people... Even today, as they look back on his life, say that that was his greatest work of evangelism uh, during his lifetime. But his thought process during that time was much the same of Paul's when he's writing this letter. They were going to share the good news of Jesus in confidence that it would stand above all of the other philosophies and ideas that people were trying to promote. That's probably a good approach for Christians to take today in the midst of the many ideologies and philosophies that we are faced with. You know, don't try to be defensive. Instead, just share the truth that Jesus Christ is all a person needs in their life to find hope and strength, and forgiveness, and salvation. Share the preeminence of Jesus, meaning Christ above all other things. The definition of preeminence means first in importance, first in honor, first in exaltation. Jesus was the beginning, Jesus is the head of the church, and Jesus will be in the end as well. It's in Revelation twenty two thirteen, 13, last chapter of the Bible, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. These five verses here are Paul's way of connecting Jesus with The Father, the Creator, or His creation, and His church, which represents the life of every Christian, even up to today. So let's start with the connection that He makes with God, the Father. In verse 15, He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We cannot see God physically, but you see, in Jesus, we do. A couple of verses later, it says that the fullness of God dwells in Christ. It's kind of like, you know, if we think of a mirror in our homes today. You know, when you look into a mirror, you see the exact replica, replication of what you look like. If you move, the mirror moves, or the image in the mirror moves with you. Amazing how that works, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, as far as technology has advanced these days, uh, I'm not sure they're going to ever come up with a better uh, version of the simple mirror that we have. I mean, what you see is is who you are. That's what Paul is saying here. What you see in Jesus is what God is. John Phillips once wrote it this way. What God is, Jesus is. What God does, He does. What God says, He says. There is not one iota of difference between God in heaven and Jesus on earth. So the church in Colossae was trying to find God in all of these other philosophies when all they needed was the one Jesus that they already had at the table. And you know, that, that happens in some churches today or in the spiritual lives of some individuals. They believe in Jesus, but they feel like they need to add other things to the mix. Jesus has just one seat at the table among all these other things. And in Paul's day, you know, it was things like uh, new moon celebrations, angel worship, uh, pagan sabbaths, and various ceremonial rituals that one had to follow in order to be saved or or perfected. So they were mixing all that in. Today we have horoscopes, we have astrology, tarot cards, Ouija boards, and various forms of other religions that filter into people's lives and they also accept alternate ways of getting to God apart from Jesus Christ. See, we don't need all of those other things. Christ alone is enough. We can have confidence in Jesus alone to to find the hope and the grace and the salvation that we need in this life. We sang it earlier, you know, we sang the song, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, and my song. And, you know, how does that that hymn go? All other ground is sinking sand. If Jesus being the exact representation of God was not enough, Paul gives even more evidence here. He says, Jesus is the creator. The firstborn over all creation. Verse 16 says, for in him all things were created. From the tiniest cell in the human body to the furthest galaxy that we have yet to discover. That's just amazing if, if you really stop and take that in. You know, people can disagree on, on the timing uh, of ho- how it all came about, but it takes more faith to believe in some big bang that just made it happen or some uh, evolution that, that happened than it does in a loving God who created all of this through Jesus Christ, His Son. It says that Jesus created things in heaven, things on earth, things that are visible and things that are invisible. The wind is invisible. But Jesus created it. And in some of these hot hot days, we're thankful for it. Now there was uh, I guess there was a couple days a week or so ago when we maybe weren't so thankful for it <laughs> when it comes in the form of 80 miles per hour, but But creation and nature itself testify to the supremacy of the Son of God. These uh, are also some of the strongest statements in Scripture about the divine nature of Christ. In John 17, we hear Jesus speak of this when He he talks about the pre-existence of creation. He says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. There it is. Jesus' own words. That, That was when Jesus was praying to his Father just before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Paul connects Jesus with his church. He says that he is the head of the body. He should be the first in the church and the first in the life of every Christian. See, the main main problem in the Colossian church during this time is that they uh, were losing their power in Christ because they they were cutting themselves off from him. And that seems like a problem that we see happening in our country and in our culture today. Too many people are either parting ways with Jesus or just cutting him out of their day to day lives. I mean, that's why you often hear the term post Christian mentioned today. But going back to the words of Jesus again in the Gospel of John, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's like Emily mentioned last Sunday with that canoe illustration. You know, who is guiding you? Who is leading you? Who is helping you to steer through the rough waters of this life. Jesus is all you need. I mean, God has given us each other, of course, which is a very important part of that. But Jesus alone can help us to navigate and survive through the many storms that will come. This book of Colossians was written to reassure the church of that truth. You know, if you need confidence in life, find it in Christ. If you need reconciliation in your life, find it in Christ. If you need to be restored, find your restoration in Christ. If you need to be made new and find renewed joy in life, you can find that joy in Jesus in these last three verses here of our text, I love the way that Paul turns to the personal pronoun you. And I've kind of highlighted it there on the screen. He, 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 he uses the personal pronoun you to bring the work of Jesus for us into view, into our life. So let me just read these verses again from the screen. It says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds... Because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I mean, this is what is so wonderful about Jesus and our Christian faith because it's about you and your relationship with God through your Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, You were alienated from God due to your sin. But God reconciled that relationship through the death of Christ on the cross. He's made you holy. That's what it says there. Without blemish and free from accusation. I mean, that's awesome to think about, isn't it? You are not condemned for your sin and your failures like you deserved. You are forgiven, and you are made holy by the grace of Jesus. Not only are you reconciled, but you are restored through Christ as well. Because Jesus reconciled us with God on the cross, we are at peace with him eternally. You know, reconciliation, that word means that, um, that the hostility is over. The war is over, whatever that would represent. And that relationship is restored. And, you know, when we live confidently in Christ, we have peace within because we have peace with God. We don't need all of the other things that the world tries to tell us that we need. We have all that we need in Christ alone. Verse 23 here, Paul reminds us, if we continue in our faith, established and firm, and not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, we then will live in the fullness of God. When we allow Christ to fill our lives, we find that we don't need all of the suggestions of the world to fill the emptiness inside of us. We have it as long as we don't move from it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> One more forward there. There we go. If we look, if we look deep within ourselves... Um, uh, some spiritual movements today say that if we look deep within ourselves, that we can find it. You know, that, that you can overcome anything and, and live a fulfilled life, but that's probably one of the biggest lies that is out there in the world today. I mean, those teachings are really a direct result of the individualism and the me-ism that we are experiencing in this 21st century. Because without the gift and the saving grace of Jesus, we are all empty. We are all needy. But if we have received Christ and we are Christians, then we don't have to go searching all over the world to find it. We already have it. We have this hope that is held out in the gospel message of Jesus. And it is available to us for free. Stories told of William Randolph Hearst, who had invested a fortune collecting art treasures from around the world. And one day, uh, Mr. Hearst read the description of a a valuable piece of art, uh, a painting which he wanted to have really bad. And so he sent his agent abroad to try to go and to find it. Well, after months of searching, the agent reported that he had finally found the treasure. To the surprise of Hearst, the priceless masterpiece was stored in none other than one of his own warehouses that he had owned. You know, he had been searching all over the world for that painting, and he already possessed it. And so that, you know, that, Illustration or story reminds us of so many people who are searching in so many ways, trying so many things to find the fullness of God. And here they have it already in the life sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has come to fill the void. So as I close this morning... Um, I have one question for us. Why, if we through Christ have been presented holy, without blemish, and free from accusation, why would we be looking to all of these other things for fulfillment? To find the fullness of God that is already living in us in the person, and the work of Jesus Christ. Bill Gothard once said this, he said, contentment is realizing that God has provided everything we need for our present happiness. Well, that's a very true statement. I think we could change it a little bit this morning to fit what we're talking about here. We could say being truly fulfilled in life is realizing that God has provided everything we need in Christ for our present situation. That means whatever you're dealing with right now, you can have confidence that Christ can and will meet your needs. No other additives or preservatives needed. And that only, that only holds true for this week. It holds true for the rest of your life. So let's go out from here and let's live in that confidence that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your name be praised. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We worship you today, Lord, with reverence and with awe because of who you are. We are blessed that you call us your people. Lord, help us to love you and listen to Jesus with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Help us to live in your truth as we live our lives in this world. And Lord, help us to live in the confidence of Christ that we have available to us. Help us to live with the joy of Jesus that is ours. Help us to have our faith in Christ alone and not feel like we need to add all of these other things into our life to find that fulfillment. Christ alone is enough. Lord, just bless each one here this morning, each one watching online. We just pray your blessing over their life. Allow each person to know the love that you have for them, the grace and forgiveness that you offer to them through Jesus. And just help us, Lord, to feel that love and to feel that support and encouragement in our day-to-day walk, day-to-day life. This world throws so many different things at us, so many different challenges. We can't do it alone, Lord. We thank you for giving us each other, but we thank you that Jesus alone can fulfill us and fill us and bring us the joy and the strength we need for this life. So pray your blessing on each one here this morning and uh, be with us as we go from this place. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said,